0: hallelujah, and some of them have been singing since one of our 6.30 sunrise services, so thank you. When I was three years old, I lived in Southern California, and one day, my mother, who was very, very busy as a working mom, and my dad, who was away, she put down my older sister, who was four, I was three, and then my baby sister, who was six months old. And she used this opportunity, which really was a miracle for her, for us all to be down, to decide to go run an errand at the grocery store. And so she left the house. Before you judge, it gets worse. (laughs) At at some point in my nap, I woke up because the wall next to me woke me, and it was very hot. And, And weeks earlier, my mom had told us how If you feel a a wall or a door and and it's hot during a fire, you don't go on it. And I, my little concrete three-year-old brain, thought, oh my goodness, the house must be on fire. So I wake up my older sister and we crawl out the window. And as we're walking towards the front, who's there but the postman? And I go up to the postman and I say, sir, sir, the house is on fire and baby sister is inside sleeping. Well, he must have believed me because he called 911 and and so fire trucks are approaching and the police officers are coming and then drives my mom back home and she cleverly pulls into the neighbors' driveway. And then kind of races across as if she's just been next door at the neighbor's house. And there I am up at the fireman pointing my finger. You have to knock this door down because the house is on fire and baby sister is inside. And mom says, just before he's about to knock the door down, she says, no, 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 no cause for alarm. And he, imagine, he had several things at that point that he was alarmed over. Oh, my goodness. You left three children alone inside the house, let alone there is no fire here. You see, my mother had told me about something that I needed to be fearful of. And it was when you are in a fire, if there's a wall or a door that's hot, that means there's something on the other side of it. Everything in me then when I woke up from that nap said, there is cause for alarm. There is reason to be scared Sometimes the circumstances of our lives, the here and now that we are experiencing, they make us feel really alarmed. They make us feel concerned and scared. And I, I wonder if any of you even felt this just for a moment this past week when you saw the, the spires of Notre Dame burning and then you're like, oh my gosh, that makes me think of other towers in years past that were burning, right? Right? So sometimes the reason that we get scared or alarmed is that we're reminded of those painful things of the past and we just don't want them to happen again. Or maybe we're reminded and we just don't want the future to be as it was. Well, this morning, three women, they leave early in the morning, years, 2,000 years ago, to go anoint Jesus's body. And as they, they approach the tomb they see something that alarms them and they are terrified. But there's a messenger of God there that gives them a word of hope and I pray it will be for us today as well. Before we hear God's word, let us first look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious and loving God, whatever emotions we brought to worship today, you accept them. Whatever story we come with today, you are part of it, whether we know it or not. So, oh, holy creator, almighty, powerful God, may your spirit that is within each of us, may it speak so loudly that we cannot leave the same. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be pleasing and acceptable for you are our rock, our steady presence, our redeemer. Amen. And now hear the resurrection story as told in the Gospel of Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. who was crucified, he has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and they fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's the day after the Sabbath. Sabbath was on a Saturday in first century. These women woke up early on this Sunday. and They headed towards the tomb because as was custom, they wanted to anoint this dead body of Jesus. As they are approaching the tomb, they must have wondered, oh, that's right, there was that man, Joseph of Arimathea. He had wrapped the body, and he had put it into a tomb, and he had taken a large stone and covered the hole to it. And so they're wondering to each other, who is going to move this for us? And they're talking, and then all of a sudden they arrive, and the stone has already been moved to the side. I imagine this was the first thing that alarmed them. You see, only a few days before, they had been in those crowds where they were standing shoulder to shoulder with people who were looking at Jesus and saying, crucify him, crucify him. And then later when they were at the cross, they saw people spit on him and mock him. And they wondered, I wonder if someone has come to steal his body. What if they wanted to do something with it even after it died and so then they, I imagine that they're kind of peering into the tomb, and it's dark. And then suddenly they get inside, and there's this young man dressed in white. He would have dazzled. He would have glowed in the dark. Um, the gospel writer makes sure to tell us that he has this bright white robe. Well, in first century, there wasn't OxyClean or a stain-wash, stain-wash cycle. He would have illumined because this person was a heavenly figure, And then, when they saw the illumined young man, Mark tells us this. They were alarmed. Now, the Greek word that Mark uses for alarmed, he's the only writer that uses it in all of Scripture, and he uses it four times. Two times, he uses it in our story. And then earlier in the Gospel of Mark, you know the story where Jesus goes up on the mountainside with two of his disciples and he is transfigured. And this, the author tells us that his clothes were dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach. And then when Jesus comes down the mountain, people see Jesus in this transfigured, dazzling self. And Mark tells us the people were alarmed. But this use of the word ekthombeo, ekthombeo, that Mark uses to me that gives the greatest picture of what these women were feeling is when he uses it to describe Jesus's emotion. On Friday night, night, uh, Thursday night, the night of his betrayal, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the story that Christians love because it's a story where Jesus falls to his knees and he begs his heavenly father, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will. Well, in Mark's version of the gospel, when Jesus falls to the ground, Mark says, and Jesus was alarmed. This is what these women are feeling. Jesus, so terrified of what the present meant, so fearful, and and honestly dreading the future, that future pain. Jesus is alarmed about the present, but also about what the future might hold for him just in physical suffering. What we discover is even a clearer picture of what these women were alarmed over. They were alarmed for their present, but they were alarmed for their future. What did this mean? The body is not there. There is an angel here to talk to us, but how amazing, how amazing that we serve a God who knows what it is like to walk this earth and to be alarmed and to be scared of your present and to be scared of your future. But even more amazing, we serve a God who looked that fear, who looked that alarm right in the face and conquered it. And so friends, this morning, there is no need for alarm. The women see that Jesus' body is missing. It looks like maybe someone took it but there's this man who looks like an angel. They are confused and they are scared about what this means for their present, for their future. And in this moment, he speaks and he says, do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. You have come seeking Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Do not be alarmed. He is risen. Do not be alarmed. The story that you thought ended is just beginning. Do not be alarmed, all those expectations that you thought had been shattered, guess what? God's expectations, they're not like our expectations. Do not be alarmed, death did not win and never will. Do not be alarmed, your king, your lord, your savior is risen. Well, that was 2000 years ago. So what does this story have to offer our story today. What what can that do to offer us a sense of hope in the midst of our alarm, in the midst of our fear, our worry? Well, listen, notice that the young man, that man that's dazzling and white, he doesn't look at the women and say, don't be alarmed. You just need to chill out. You just need to simmer down. Just be quiet. No, see, God knows that in our moments of alarm, we tend to freeze. Or maybe you fight, or maybe you run, or maybe like the active ones of us in here, we fidget about. Look at this uh, verse 7. Look what it says. Go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. You see, I think the messenger of God knew how humans, these three women, would react when they were fearful. And I found this graphic this week that kind of shows how we react. This is how animals react, but this is kind of what we do when we are afraid. Are you one of those that freezes? Are you one of those that runs, that flees? Are you one of those that fidgets about? Or are you one of those that fights? God knew that these women and us, that we need direction when we are alarmed. I wonder how many of us might need some redirection this morning. Have any of you been stuck, frozen, or fidgety in your relationship with God? I know for me, I get in these ruts, and I will, I will literally just say, God, I'm going to wait for you to do something. I'm just going to wait. And then then I'm gonna get more serious about my faith. I'm gonna make it look good when I'm on Sunday mornings in front of people. I kind of sit back into life and I hope for God to show up. And whether because I'm just exhausted or I'm defeated or I'm just tired of hearing all of the bad news, but consider this, even when those women thought that God had left see, everybody in the story thought it was over. We know on the other side of the cross that God was at work. Sometimes the only way for us to notice is to go and seek it out. Look what the young man tells the women. He says, go and tell the disciples, Jesus has gone ahead of you. I love that Jesus has gone ahead of you. Wherever we are, wherever we have been, wherever we are going, Jesus goes ahead of us. It's not as if when the Christian shows up, Jesus showed up. God has already gone ahead of us. There is no need for alarm. Might we be able to hear this good news for each of us today? We serve a God who is always going before us. Paving the way and beckoning us, come. Come and see. In the story of the people of Israel, Moses guides them through the wilderness, the most difficult time of these folks' lives, and God goes before them in a pillar of cloud and at night in a pillar of fire. And then when Moses passes the mantle over to Joshua, listen to what it says It says, It is the Lord who goes before you. Do not fear. God will not forsake you. We serve a God who is always at work. We serve a God who does not rest or sleep or take breaks. Or I love how Kyle Bender says it week after week. We serve a God who is up to something. Always up to something. And as those women, as they stood in that tomb and they are alarmed, they are fearful, God was going before them. The good news of the resurrection of Jesus is this. Even when we feel fear, even when we feel alarm or overwhelmed, that does not stop God's work. Even when the steps ahead look so scary, you know, some of you might feel like you're kind of up against a hot wall right now. It might feel like that the world has a fire on the other side of it and it doesn't feel very comfortable for you. Some of you might feel like a fire is coming towards you, and some of you are in the midst of one right now. I want you to hear this news this day. Do not be alarmed. You have come to seek Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified, but he has been raised. He is not here. He goes ahead of you. Back to your school, back to your home, back to your workplace, back to your city if you're visiting. God is at work even when we are in our state of fear. Friends, our living, resurrected God is at work in our world. Our God goes before us. There is no cause for alarm. Our God goes before us. It is our responsibility as the followers of this faith to go and tell the world to seek out where God is at work and then to share that good news with the world. And so we're going to begin now with the hope of our resurrected Christ. I want to ask you to stand and let us affirm together saying what it is we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed, the universal creed of the church. So this day, brothers and sisters in Christ, what is it that you believe?